Communists are taught to disrespect the elderly and retired as expensive, useless eaters. I believe that our elderly are the greater whole of humanity's wisdom, and that wisdom is priceless. The following story is a harrowing example of just how far our society has come and just what is at stake. The subject of this discussion is probably only alive right now because of publicity from a heavily censored and yet independent media. Without you, the people, diligently staying informed, this man might be leaving behind five orphaned children. Pray that this example, this story, helps stop this horrible practice of hospitals COVID murdering their own patients. That would be something for the TikTok nurses to dance about. Instead, they were busy killing our parents and grandparents in our nation's hospitals, and as we've documented in other cases like Canada and the United Kingdom, where they were also caught dispensing morphine or midazolam and other lung depressants and murdering the elderly instead of treating them. Check out this interview. Share it if you're compelled to do so and hear this man's story. I sat down briefly with Dr. Stephen Gifonti, who was roomed with this man. Now, he was being murdered by the hospital, denied treatment, left to die. And this man, this doctor, ironically, stood up and volunteered to be a patient advocate. What happened next will shock you. The hospital actually locked this doctor to a bed. They Baker acted him and they cuffed him to a bed because they didn't know what to do about the fact that he wanted to help keep this patient alive. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I basically just want to let you share the story with my audience and try to help this poor guy. Is he still alive? Do you know? Yes. Yes. He's, uh, he's on a vent. Oh man. That's... They put him on antibiotics. Right. If they had vented him without the antibiotics, he'd be scheduled for death soon. Wow. Okay. Because so, they treated his pneumonia, um, the vent will actually help rather than basically hide his cause yeah. of death. Yeah, I know in New York and places, a lot of whistleblower nurses allege they were just turning people on vents and putting them to sleep, basically. And we've caught them doing that in the UK uh, and in Canada, giving them things like uh, morphine. Yes. Um, so, you know, this is something I'm seeing. It's a, it's a, it seems to be a trend. I mean, I, you know, my gut instinct tells me it is. I'm kind of the guy who expects the worst right now anyway of our medical establishment. But basically, you know, I just want to give you a chance to tell your story. I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself and, and run with it. I have a, just a few questions to kind of, um, you know, make sure the audience uh, has everything they need. So I'm an emergency room uh, doctor for uh, 49 years, off and on. And um, I got COVID August 1st, and uh, my roommate got it, uh, was admitted August 2nd. So he's 20 years my younger. I'm 70 years old. And I'm getting better, and he's getting worse. So uh, Wednesday, I guess, maybe it was Thursday, I asked him, you know, do you want me to help you figure out what's going on? 
did, did, did the doctor tell you why you're getting worse? He said, no. So yes, he wants me to be his patient advocate. So I, I tell the nurse, um, why don't we take a look at his labs? So we look at his labs and I don't know, three days earlier, maybe four, he spiked a white count, which means basically he's got a bacterial pneumonia until proven otherwise. And um, he's not moving much air. So uh, we look and sure enough, the white count spike continues to worsen. They repeat the chest X-ray and yeah, he's got a pneumonia. All the diagnosis you need is right there. The next step is to tell his doctor. Six then, hours later, they still haven't told the doctor. This guy is tanking. Uh, his oxygen level is going down and he's got no room for air because it's, his lungs are filling with pus. He can't breathe through pus, Dustin. So I figure maybe the night nurse uh, didn't get the memo that sure. he's tanking and, and needs a needs his doctor. Now, let, let me ask firstly, it, when you originally suggested that you wanted to help, they were receptive to that or wary? Well, though, no, the nurse was fine with it because the patient was fine with it. Okay, sure. So, you know, what happened later is very odd then. So I'm sorry, go ahead. So, um, so now it's like three in the morning. There, uh, I tell the night nurse that he's got pneumonia that's untreated. The night nurse decides that this is a HIPAA violation. Closes down her computer, does not call the doctor, and vacates the room, abandoning the patient. That's odd. Now, you got to understand, Dustin, this patient is running on one-fourth of a lung. I mean, the guy's a marathon runner, so he's got lots of lung. But, you know, sooner or later, you die because you don't have oxygen. So sure. I get infectious disease on the phone, right? Because I'm a doctor. I know other doctors. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the nurse to talk to infectious disease just in case she doesn't know that if you don't treat pneumonia, it kills people. The nurse won't talk to him. The nurse won't give him the doctor's name so the doctor can talk to the other doctor. He stays on the phone for half an hour trying to get any cooperation. By this time, there are six nurses in the hallway and they've decided to put me uh, in four point restraints. So now, they- How does it go from, from voluntarily working with you to that? It's a HIPAA violation. It sounds but to me like they're using HIPAA to cover up gross malpractice. So, even with a HIPAA violation, that doesn't give them the right to like physically restrain you. I mean, that's something that you would deal with with a criminal court or a civil court or, or however that works, right? Right. And some, yeah. But, you know, look. So it speaks to me of, you know, as, as somebody, as an outsider here, that they're really acting guilty. Yeah. Oh, incredibly guilty. So here's all I, you know, so look, do I want to be put in four point restraints because nobody wants to treat this guy? No, 
So I say, look, I'll just go home. I'll sign out AMA. And that's, they never uh, let me sign out. Against medical advice, right? Right, against medical advice. They never let me sign out. They um, wow. put me in solitary confinement for four hours and they didn't know what to do with the body. So eventually they discharged me. Sure. Wow. I mean, this they is. They Baker acted me. They unbaker acted me. <laughs> wow. But Did... fortunately for the for Facebook and and you guys, whatever you guys are doing, you caught the attention of enough people that they didn't think this guy would uh, die peacefully unnoticed. So they they put him on antibiotics and and started treating him. It's it's frightening that we're at that point where you know we may see this poor man's children orphan. I think you mentioned he had three children at one point. Um, yeah, and he actually has five kids, but he has three five. minors who, who got to witness their mom die of cancer. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so this, this is a tragedy. And, you know, I've seen this sort of behavior, you know, documented in whistleblower nurses and court records in, in the UK and in Canada where you know, people are saying they in nursing homes are giving out morphine instead of treatment for for bacterial pneumonias or flus, and that's just murder, isn't it? Yes, morphine will suppress their uh, respiratory system till they stop breathing. As a medical doctor and a you know person who you've been in the field for a long time, um, how does it come to the point where so many nurses and frontline doctors are hoodwinked into this? How does it become systemic or is it always localized? No, no, it, it's systemic. And I'll tell you how it became a systemic. They allowed corporations to buy doctors. So the doctor works for whoever pays him, right? The yeah. doctor that Baker acted me worked for the hospital. You know, they put me in four point restraints and then they said, gee, we, we probably need an order for this. So they call yeah. up the doctor and said, uh, uh, would you give us this order kind of retroactively? And and are so he did. Are you considering suing them for this? Uh, I'm talking to lawyers. I don't know too much about you. Let me just say, I'm a doctor sure. of 50 years. Nobody has screwed up medicine more than the lawyers. But <laughs> um, this hospital is vital. And... Right now it's a prison and prison, prison uh, medicine is hands down the worst kind of medicine you can have. I, I, I started out at LA County Jail being the, the, the jail doctor, so I know. And, and you cannot do that to the elderly people of, of Sarasota. We need to turn our prison back to a hospital and, and that's what's important. Uh, uh, it'd be also very nice if they didn't kill this guy. But Amen to that. What, what condition, I mean, what, how, is there anything that we can do to help him at this point? You said he's being treated, but. Yeah, well, he's on antibiotics. So, um, so that's good. Um, but, what's going on with his minor children? Do they have somebody they can, do they, are, is everything okay with them? As far as I know, yes. In fact, the, uh, the man's girlfriend, he, he, has, he has a girlfriend, um, really doesn't want uh, the publicity. 
it's very hard on the kids. But as I told her, I said, well, first of all, I, I asked my I asked the patient if he wanted to be on um, on Facebook before I took his picture. And he said, of yes. Course. And th that brings me to my, my next question. I mean, how is the patient on this? Is he like a full mental faculties? Can he can he reason? Is he is he aware of how they're treating him? Was it before that he was aware or afterwards? Are you, wait. So these are a lot of questions. Sorry. Right. So, um, yeah. Well, they, so right now there? the patient is on a ventilator. Um, I don't know whether they've uh, drugged him out so that he doesn't fight the vent, which means he's not much aware of anything, or or you know or what. I don't. I'm not actually privileged to uh, what they're doing to him. So let's Other take it back. You know, finish your thoughts, right? At the time when he discovered that he had an untreated pneumonia, um, yes. At that point, yes, he was totally aware. In fact, that why did he make me his patient advocate? <laughs> because I'm sitting in the room with him, and he 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 can put he's he's running, basically a fourth of a lung. Right, he's pushing uh, 500 to 1,000 cc's. Uh, inspiration when uh, he probably could do four 4,000 if he was healthy. I so don't want to speak for him, but it's fair to say he would probably be pissed off uh, of his treatment if he were here now speaking for himself. Well, yeah, probably. Now, this is something I do want to point out. Like A lot of people don't get patient advocates anymore because of the restrictions. They use that as an excuse to to silence people and to keep elderly people away from grandchildren that might want to come visit them and, and raise hell because of the way that they're treating people who are elderly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, let me just say, if the standard treatment of a patient advocate is to um, put them in four point restraints and remove them from the room, uh, there are going to be a lot less patient advocates uh, available. Well, thank God you were there and, and that you yourself are a medical doctor because this just seems like they are way overreaching and they've maybe made a huge mistake here and it seems like they're backing off so you know the, the guilty act is in and of itself pretty telling um is there anything else that, that i did not ask that maybe i should have well i don't know dustin this is you know i'm i'm an er doc not a a uh, a media person Sure. Let me just say that um, the root cause of this problem is the doctors are working for the corporations and not the patients. And um, if you really want to reform this nationwide, you should make it an obvious conflict of interest for any hospital to hire any doctor to contract with any doctor. Just, you know, make wow. it a conflict of interest because the doctor has to work for the person who writes his paycheck. You know, it always comes back to follow the money in media. And this is just another example. If you follow the incentives in this case, where the money's coming from, then you can usually find who they're working for time right. and time again. Let, Thank let you so much. One, one more thing out. Sure. So, okay, you've got six nurses out in the hallway trying to figure out how to put me in four-point restraints 
rather than let me go home. So yeah. this is a top down, right? This is the CEO of the hospital making, uh, creating a culture of, of uh, a prison culture rather than a, a hospital culture. Let me ask you, and this is going to be maybe far-fetched, maybe just the way I assume the worst of our medical establishment right now, but given what we've already documented in your case and others, or, or this gentleman's case and your case, um, do you at, at some point feel like maybe you would have ended up on a ventilator and, and being put under instead oh. of being allowed to release? Yes, I signed, uh, I signed a uh, do not resuscitate form. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dustin, I've been around. <laughs> I ain't going to let them intubate me. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen. But, you know, I wonder what might have happened to somebody if, if they had just freaked out a little bit more and, and decided they wanted to get rid of the problem instead of deal with it later and let you go. I mean, this could have yeah. gone a different way. And, and I don't want to I don't want to project that. You know, that's that's just maybe oh. the worst case scenario. But oh, no, you know, the I was is... solitary confinement, right? Yeah, that's and, bad. And, and paying, paying on myself because, well, because I was in solitary and thinking and, and trying to calculate how long could I live long enough to uh, outlive the Baker hold they put on me, right? Oh, 72 God. hours. And, uh, and my numbers didn't look that good. My God, no one should ever be in that situation where they're in opposition to their treatment and their doctors. Thank you so much, Stephen, for your, for your time. I know this, you know, this isn't what you do. You're not a media person. You're not out trying to, to create a problem. You just were there, right place or wrong place, but right time. Thank you so much for, for being a hero. <laughs> I'm just a doctor. But you're well, welcome. This time you're here, brother. But thank you. And uh, everyone, please share this really important interview and get this story out there because this is going to save other people's lives. And not everybody has a voice. Very few people get a patient advocate. And we need a whole lot more sunlight in these hospitals. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Have a great day. Will do. Bye-bye.